And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, I am tremendously excited about this next interview. I started a series a couple of years ago called American Unrest. I saw some things happening in our nation that I, quite frankly, was not impressed with. And I I saw things that were happening that it disturbed me and my soul. So I said, hey, what we need to do is gather some biblical perspective, some biblical insight to find out where we are headed as a nation and as a people, and let's provide some solutions. And so two chats have already been had. You can get those chats at the website, kprz.com. Also on the partner website, which is the Know the Truth website, ktt.org slash kpraise. Listen to those. Listen to this next chat because you're going to find so many different answers. And also while you're at the website, ktt.org slash kpraise, there's a free gift for you from our friends at Know the Truth. Help, I'm Anxious, it's a great study booklet, and also, down in the dumps, a study card. Get those free gifts, ktt.org slash kpraise, and know the truth, of course, they are a fine ministry that they have partnered with us here at kpraise for a number of years, and they're fully devoted to teaching God's word with boldness, and that's key, clarity and conviction, and they believe the Bible to be true and applicable to every aspect of our lives. 6.30 to 7 a.m. Monday through Friday on K-Praise. And the leader of Know the Truth and Kindred Community Church is Pastor, Senior Pastor Philip DeCourcy. Of course, on the heels of St. Patrick's Day, as we record this, he was born, I want to tell you, in Belfast, Ireland. And he's been at Kindred Community Church since 2007. Pastor Philip, it has been about a year, but we do this about once a year to shine some light. How's it going, my friend? So well, Noah, glad to join you again and your your listeners. Top of the morning, and um, just a, a great uh, opportunity to co- uh, have a conversation, partner, and uh, you know, um, iron sharpening iron, uh, get ourselves into the Word and the Word into us, and keep a biblical perspective. Given that the world is going mad, yeah, that's exactly what's going on. It is definitely going mad, and you would think in a couple of years maybe it would get better, but and in some ways it has. But there's still a lot of unrest going on in America. We've gotten a little bit more back to normal here over the last couple of years, everything we've experienced. While still having some of our freedoms in America, it's all topsy-turvy. Some of them still taken away, especially here in California. I know you feel exactly what I'm talking about. And then I got to thinking as I was putting together this show, Pastor Philip, does the Bible warn us? to not simply sit back and just watch all of this happen? Are we called as Christians, brothers and sisters, to stand up to help it get better instead of hoping it'll just get better? Yeah, I think you're, you're right. I think you've hit the nail on the head. We wouldn't be proactive as much as reactive and certainly not passive. You know, uh, loving my neighbor, um, it, you know, is broad enough to take in the idea of thinking through with them and encouraging them in certain directions as to what's good for them is defined by the Bible and, and God's common grace. Um, you've got that incident even in the, the book of Jeremiah where God, even in exile, encourages Israel to seek the welfare of the city to which he sends them. So, you know, while I'm journeying towards the heavenly city, city and that's my, my blessed hope, it doesn't mean Amen. I close my eyes to life around me. And, uh, you know, even in the book of Acts, it's interesting. Um, I, I don't doubt Paul's spirituality for one second. 
Um, he was a, a, a deep uh, uh, disciple of Jesus Christ, a leader in the church. And it's interesting in Acts, in Acts on several occasions when he felt his his freedoms and his liberties were unjustly being impinged and infringed, he 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 um, makes a deal about it. You've got that in Acts 16 and others, and and he and he calls for political protection of his freedoms, and and that's not a lack of trust in God. Um, that's not uh, unbelief on Paul's part. And you know we've watched that. I, thankfully, I think we're emerging out of it. You know, California is going to be slow mo. We've gone from pandemic to endemic, whatever that means. Uh, you know, m- many other states in our, our wonderful union has have been free and set free a lot earlier than us. But hopefully we're we're coming out of the worst of the limitations of the pandemic. On the other hand, not to sound pessimistic, realistic, you know, I think those on the political left, uh, those who have got ideologies and worldviews that don't square with the word of God that are rooted in Marxism and, and social justice and, and other things, I think they're bent, uh, and they're not about to repent of um, censoring and canceling dissenting voices. And we just need to be aware of that. Um, we need to, where we can, raise our voice, um, defend our rights. We've got to remember, Noah, that, you know, elections have consequences, and, uh, you know, with the Biden presidency and the Democrats in power, um, you know, they, and, and they're in, in bed with big tech and uh, the, the teachers unions. Um, I think censorship and the cancel culture, it sadly, is, is going to continue. And um, we, we need to, you know, raise our voice. We need to um, get involved in politics in, in, in our local communities and we, we need to vote the right candidates in uh, who, who see our constitutional freedoms as, as um, something they need to defend. And, and maybe other than that, to wrap my answer up, um, the other thing I keep coming back to, I, I think political freedom is a precious gift. It's certainly been given to us as a legacy from our founders, and I want to do all that I can in my lifetime to retain it. I'm not going to give that away easily. On the other hand, my greatest freedom is spiritual. Um, the, our ministry, you know, the truth is based on John 8.32, right? You shall know the truth, and the truth yeah. will set you free. Our greatest enemy is, is our own sin nature. Our greatest enemy is, is the devil who, who imprisons people and blinds their minds. And I'm so thankful as a Christian that I'm free from God's judgment in Christ. I'm free in God's spirit to live as God has created me to. I've got the word of God, which sets boundaries. But as I live between those boundaries, I enjoy freedom within God's will. And here's the thing to remember, Noah, whatever, whatever happens in the future, and I hope we see a better day rather than a worse day, but, but no government and, and, and no enemy of mine, political or otherwise can rob me of a freedom I have in Christ forever. And, I've got to keep coming back to that or else I think I'm in danger of getting bitter, unforgiving, and focusing on the external and not the internal. Does that make any sense? It makes a lot of sense. Something one of my Christian mentors said years ago, and it has always stuck with me, is we need to remember no matter what is happening world event-wise, especially here in America, that God is on the throne and God is in control, and this is the way God wants it to go. And if you rest in that, you 
become a little bit calmer, that God is not going to be wavered in what he is doing. And no matter what their grand plans are here on earth, he is the one that is going to determine the future, not man. And that's why we need to not bury our heads in the sand because he does want us to take action as Christians and raise our voices. And it starts with talking about the right candidates. And I don't care whether they're Republican or Democrat. That does not matter to me. I'm about principle and values and family values. And you mentioned cancel culture, which is huge. That's a lot of what's been going on over the last year. You don't agree with the messages being said, then we're going to you know, get you fired, kick you off social media. Right. Uh, any other things that have been disturbing for you uh, as a culture here in America that you just say, hey, we're in some not good times here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean it, it's, it's something you and I have talked about before, and, and maybe to, kind of to, to jump ahead of, of, of some things we want to talk about today, I'm bothered by the division. That, that's ripping our country apart, and and um, it's 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 sad, and and it should it should concern and burden us. Um, the Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand, and as Americans, we've we've got to walk together, right? The Bible also says, "I can two walk together, except they be agreed." And I think the most frightening thing of, of the cancel culture, the, the, what we've seen in the pandemic, what we've seen in terms of overreach by our kind of political overlords uh, and, and, and the conversation that has surrounded BLM and CRT, um, it seems every institution in our nation is being politicized. Um, you know, our, even our, Pastor our, Phil, not to interrupt you, we would have a lot of people here at the station that, tanked at the end of the week so what do we do there's a lot of us that like sports to relax and unwind and our sports are even now being politicized as well it seems like every aspect of our lives has been dragged into this political game absolutely it's terrible it's it's suffocating i mean i've only been in america since 1994 um became a proud citizen several years ago i mean in my lifetime in this nation which is shorter than yours the, the, the change has been unbelievable i I want to believe um it's a season noah but but i'm coming to a view that it's it's a sea change there's there's a clash of worldviews that's going on we don't have back to this idea of national cohesion um you know uh, america's been a melting pot um there's been a diversity of 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 ideas but the the thing that's held us together is a belief um, in, in what America has set out to be, it, it can be a more perfect union, but but it has encouraged and it has rewarded individual responsibility and hard work. It has it's a melting pot of races and ethnicities that and we have embraced that, Pastor Philip. Of course, I mean I, this whole you know the the CRT the BLM argument. Um, the, the, you know I've tr- I try to keep things simple. I've traveled the world. I, I left a country for this country and with all of its faults and, 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 and we've got skeletons in the cupboard and we've got stains in our past. Um, but America uh, has tried to evolve. America has tried to make right the things that have gone wrong. And, and you travel the world and I still make this the simple test. Where in the world can you find 360 million people that are as diverse, that are as 
you know, a mosaic of nations and peoples and colors and foods and customs. Oh, amen to that. My good friend here at the radio station, Darnell, you know, we get together. He had a former career in the Navy and he said, you want to have diversity, go aboard a U.S. Navy ship and you will see so many different cultures and so many different ethnicities. And that is what America is all about. It always has been and hopefully it always will be. Sure, it is, but but then there needs to be the glue that holds this together, right? I might say exactly in Patrick's Bay and and Italians and Hispanics and 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 other cultures within our culture can celebrate the richness of of their cultures and the, and what they bring to the beauty and the blend. But but there needs to be a, a united sense that this is a good nation that um, we, we're we're held together by our laws. Um, we're held together by a common history um, that, 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 you know, we're, we're, we understand, uh, you know, that uh, we are a nation of, of, of laws and a constitution. We, we celebrate um, our, our common story, and we've lost that. And until we get that back, I'm, I'm, again, I'm sounding pessimistic. If we don't get that back, I don't think the future is good. I remember... Um, it was to do with a, a, a church issue I was dealing with, and John MacArthur gave me a word of advice. And, and since I've heard it from him, I've found it later in the writings of A.W. Tozer. And it's a great analogy, Noah. He said, Tozer and MacArthur said, say this, you know, if you've got a series of pianos that are out of tune, don't try and, and tune the pianos to each other. Tune them to a tuning fork. And, and when, when John shared that with me about a church I was pastoring, he was basically saying, Christ is the tuning fork, preach Christ, live Christ, and the church will unite around Christ. And to take that into the political realm, um, you know, we've got to, to find our tuning fork again, and, and our, our common story, common aspirations, um, you know, submission to the Constitution, submission to the law. Um, and that's what's been lost is the submission to the Constitution on both sides. You know, I don't see any Republican. OK, I'm not going to say any. I don't see Republicans or Democrats living up to what this nation was founded on, which is the Constitution. Noah here on Across sure. the County, Pastor Philip DeCourcy, my guest. We are in the middle of a tremendous chat. It's the American Unrest series, and we're doing the third chapter in the series today. Get the other chapters and this one, KTT dot org slash k praise pick up the free gifts there as well and you know we're talking about this division pastor philip whether it's liberal versus conservative mask versus no mask vax versus unvaxxed and so many other different divisions and i agree with you if we don't unite as a people find a way to do it and i don't know exactly what the answer is maybe you have you, you hit something on the tuning fork right there and i think if we yeah. find that american tuning fork that's centered in christ we can actually get this country back but if we don't mend these divisions I don't know if America can ever get back to where it was and where it needs to be again. No, I mean, we quoted it earlier, a house divided against itself cannot divide. And this, so this, and that's what's been going on for the last several years. We're dividing people um, along issues in, in, a, in a way that's unconscionable. And, and, and the politicians are the, are, the, are, the, are the villains in this. Look, in the middle of this, the church can become an oasis. We can be a model of unity. You know, you know, we're one in Christ, neither male nor female, free or slave, whatever, you know, the book of Galatians. So in the middle of a divided 
country, the church can be an oasis. But the, but the other thing is our national leaders need to get above petty and party politics. We need to have a common world. You, and, it, and, and, frankly, and get back to representing the people. Yeah, and frankly, in our history, it may not have been classic Christianity, but it was Judeo-Christian philosophy. Yes. And, and, and a love of country, and, 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 and these ideals of, of individual responsibility, limited government, hard work, a belief that you can come with, with uh, one suitcase in your hand at the beginning of your life, and at the end of your life, you can be something all together. That's what our political leaders need to sign. They need to get back to the American dream or the American hope, whatever you want to call it. And, and, they, and we need leaders uh, on both sides that will act like that tuning fork and stop this America's bad. America has done bad things, but, but you know, put us in the same category as every other nation. And we're, we're, we're trying to make things right. Our laws are not discriminatory. Um, there's opportunities all around us. We've got to stop the victimhood. We've got to stop pitching neighbor against neighbor, strike the tuning fork, and unite us around these common ideals, a common basic morality. Um, and, but, you know, again, I think sadly, many in our politics now uh, have embraced a worldview that's Marxist. That's, they've embraced a worldview that's godless. They've, they, they, they mock Christian and Judeo morality. They're destroying and redefining marriage. They're, we're getting into the idiocy of denying biology and gender. It, it's scary. And I want to believe and I, I want to hope that, that we're not so far down that road. I hope we're not on a Romans 1 trajectory. We may be. Uh, where God is, 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 is abandoning us in his judgment. We've had a good run, and we have wa- wasted and thrown away his kindness. I hope not. Hopefully uh, we will repent. Hopefully we'll turn back. Hopefully we'll embrace, um, you know, common grace and common sense. Well, speaking of repenting, and that's where I believe we've talked about it the last couple of chats, and I've also heard this from my friends out and about, that to have biblical revival in America is so key right now. And I think that's actually the answer to what we were talking about with the division. And I started on my show at the beginning of the year because I felt called by the Lord to do so, that we need to turn back to, on a regular basis, individual and group prayer. And so I take that very seriously on my show. I pray for the nation as a whole and for certain individualistic things once a month. And I think that if everybody were to do that and to spread that as the solution, I think we could be in a much better space, Pastor Philip. Well, no doubt. Look, I come from Northern Ireland. It's also known as Ulster. And you you can read about what a revival in Ulster in 1859 there was one later in the early 20th century with a man called William Nicholson, a move of God that, that brought many into the kingdom, revived the church, brought purity to the church, made it a force for good. But if you study the, the revival in 1859, which also touched Wales and, and uh, parts of England, um, the one in Northern Ireland began in a, in a, in a schoolroom um, where people covenanted to get together and pray for revival. I, I personally believe revival is the sovereign work of God. I'm not sure there is a formula that brings it on, but it, 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 it certainly, historically, it is always traced to a kneeling figure. I think it was D.L. Moody said that, or someone said that, when you, every move of God is traced to a kneeling figure. And we mm. do need revival. I think we need to know 
qualify. Revival is, is centered on the church, not the nation. We can revive the nation. Uh, we can evangelize the nation. Uh, we, can, we can advance, um, you know, Judeo-Christian philosophy that can be good for our neighbors, but you can only revive what, you, what is alive. A man and a woman outside of Christ, Ephesians 2, 1, they're dead in their sin. They need to be made alive, but the church needs revival. And, and one of the things that strikes me, uh, when I, I did a study of Revelation 1 to 3, Noah, um, you know, seven churches are mentioned there. I think they're a sample of the kinds of churches you'll find throughout church history. But, but five of them are called to repentance. Uh, one of them, Jesus says, I'm going to close the doors, I'm going to turn out the lampstand. And when you look at those churches, it's immorality inside the church, it's doctrinal compromise, it's lovelessness, it's formality, it's worldliness. And Peter says, look, if judgment begins at the house of God, what will be the end of those who, 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 who are not saved? And it's interesting, in the chronology of the book of Revelation, before we get to the judgment of the world, You've got Christ amidst the lampstands judging the church. And, and so I love your heart. I love what you're doing. I, I resonate with that. We focus on the sins of society. Noah, we need to focus on the sins of the sanctuary. We need Christians that need to repent of... That's such a strong world. point right there, because if we're trying to pull people in as a have a have a place at the church where they feel safe, and that's actually what we're going to get into here in just a moment, what good does it do if the church is just as sick. That's right. I mean, look, it's one, we, we want to we be creative and innovative in the, in the best sense of those words to read the culture. But, but the church needs to be a counterculture. If, if, you go to the, if you go to church today, it looks too much like the world. We're even taking elements out of our worship that we think offends the world or, or puts people off. The church is the counterculture. We're the holy nation within the nation. And the main thing I want someone to encounter when they come to Kindred Community Church on a Sunday morning is a reverence for God, a genuine joy and love for God. I want them to come and realize to watch we're not playing church, that, that we're, we're in the presence of a thrice holy God. We want to exalt his son, and we do that through the preaching of the word. And that's what Paul kind of gets at in his letter to the Corinthians. If the unbeliever comes in, he needs to see decency, order, and he needs to be struck by a fear of God. And, and so the church is becoming too like the world, and when we're too like the world, we can't reach the world. And so we need to get back. The church, it, 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 America will be helped when the church repents. I agree um, when, uh, a thousand percent, you know, and that's right. what you said. The church, if there's a revival in the church, that is going to benefit America, and you have this cascading effect, which is going to better us as a nation. And I know there's lots of people out there, Pastor Philip, they're hurting financially, they're finding it hard on a weekly basis to make ends meet, inflation, empty shelves, skyrocketing gas prices, especially here in California. Obviously, families do what they need to do, but they're stressed out and they sometimes don't know where to turn. To be able to turn to a healthy church is so pivotal. What other comforting words could you give to them in these trying times? And I know before we actually started this conversation off the air, you and I were talking about Nehemiah 4 and making sure, hey, at the end of the day, our families, there's nothing more important. Yeah, a couple of things there. Uh, um, yeah, look, I want to have a big vision. I want to I think widely. On the other hand, 
you know, um, I've got to remember, I've got to kind of um, limit and, and have a certain realism about my life. I can only control what I can control. And, and I've got a heart for the nation, but this is a nation of 360 million people and growing. Um, uh, the best thing I can do for, for America is love my wife, um, raise my girls in the fear and admonition of the Lord. God just give us, you know, talking about this offline, you know, God just give us our first grandchild, which thrills me to death. Uh, one of my prayers, Noah's been Psalm 20, 20, 128, that I might live to see my children's children. And, and, and I'm trying to pour myself there um, and, and, you know, allow my home and now my daughter's home uh, to become two building blocks that, that keep the wall erect, that helps society. Because the, the family is the building block of society. Uh, our society is trying to destroy the family. Our, our, our school system's trying to indoctrinate our kids. So, so I've, I'm trying to kind of, um, kind of remind myself like Nehemiah 4, what Nehemiah organized them in families and said, fight for your family, your sons and your daughters. At least the fight begins there. Uh, you know, a bit, a bit like the American Revolution, right, in Massachusetts, if they mean to fight, let it begin here. Well, well, fundamentally, I've got the fight at the family level, at the local level, encourage my church to be salt and light where they are. But if every, if every church is that, if every Christian is that, then if we could imagine it metaphorically in the middle of the darkness, there's light after light after light, and maybe together we begin to shine um, into the culture in a way that, that garners their attention. And then just maybe to wrap up and put, put a, 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 you know, a, a period on this, there, people are hurting. I see it in my congregation. You see in the wider culture fear, right? Men's hearts are feeling them for fear for the things that are coming on the earth. But, but that's beginning to filter into the church, and it bothers me a little bit. Not that we're not susceptible to fear, because the Bible has to address fear not several hundred times, but Martin Lloyd-Jones said, faith is a refusal to panic. And Matthew 6 is kind of where, where I would have people go, Noah, where Jesus said, hey, don't worry, guys, about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Um, you know, it's fruitless, it's faithless, and it's fatherless. Let me just unpack that very briefly. Jesus said, but by worrying and becoming anxious, you don't add one inch to your stature. Worrying doesn't change anything. It actually weakens your ability to cope with life. And then he says, look, doesn't your father take care of the birds? And doesn't he, you know, tack down the grass with beautiful flowers, which are, are in, in their beauty are greater than Solomon? You know, well, if he takes care of those little things within the creation, how much more valuable are you, oh, you of little faith? And then he finishes by saying, your father knows the things you have need of. Therefore, you know what? Seek first the kingdom of God. And, and so we've got to remember, faith is a refusal to panic, and we have reason not to panic. Um, but worry is fruitless, it's faithless, and it's fatherless, and we've got to... To, to repent of it. Um, Corey Ten Boom, who survived the Holocaust, um, lost her sister, Betsy. You need to read her story, The Hiding Place. She said to a group of English ministers one day, don't wrestle, just nestle. And I love that little phrase, Noah. You know, that, let's not wrestle. Let's not get all upset. Let's not twist ourselves into an emotional pretzel. Let's nestle. That's, you mentioned it earlier, Let's, let's live beneath the throne of God. Let, let's, 
remind ourselves of God's love and cross. Let's find the comfort and companionship of the Holy Spirit, and let's remember the great and exceeding promises of God. Um, we need to be lighthouses of confidence and comfort in a world gone mad and whose hearts are failing them for fear. And I think you mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, we've got a little booklet on worry and, and, and uh, other material that will help um, the listeners of KPRIS, and if they contact us, we'll try and serve them. Yeah, just get that at ktt.org slash kpraise. Put your contact information in there. A couple of great resources. Help, I'm Anxious. It's a booklet. And also the Down in the Dumps study card, both tremendous resources. And that's it at the end of the day, Pastor Philip DeCourcy, American Unrest 3. If we worry, we're not going to really be adding to anything. We're actually going to be weakening our immune system, our spiritual system, and then our families are not going to be in a better spot because we're supposed to be the backbone of our families. So trust in God. Make sure God is at the center of everything. Remember, he is on the throne. And then like the Celtic story you and I were talking about off the air, imagine your family is right behind you. They're on the front spiritual front lines and you don't want anybody to get to them. And it is your job to stay strong in the faith and make sure, hey, at the end of the day, I know where I'm headed and I'm going to do my best to protect my family. That's right. And, and uh, you know, and worry again, we, we not only lose health and joy, we lose our witness to the world. If Jesus Christ makes a difference, then we've got to show that difference. You know, when, when, when the sky is falling, uh, we're, we're still standing because... Nothing will separate us from his love. And we've got to, as parents, you alluded to that, you know, show confidence, um, be on faith so that our children, uh, you know, see our faith and, and, and um, see a confidence that, 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 you know, brings a security to them and, and causes them to want what we have and then causes our neighbor to go, you know. And then, and Pastor Philip, and then they'll have that same strength. John Wesley was saved because he was on a ship in the middle of a storm on the Atlantic Ocean, and, and he was terrified with the rest of the crew, and he looked at Moravian missionaries who were at peace. And, and that never left him. When we got back to England, he went to a meeting and got saved. And it was, it was those Moravian missionaries unafraid of death, unafraid of a mid-Atlantic storm that caused him to go, I want what they have, and we need to live that for the good of the nation. Amen. And as we wrap up this chat, one more particular issue that I would be neglecting if I didn't bring it to the forefront, Pastor Philip, so much hurt and violence going on over in Ukraine with Russia, Something that I didn't think any of us saw coming, and it is very disturbing, and our hearts just go out to the Ukrainian people. Putin obviously making more than just dangerous moves, and there's murmurings that this could be a nuclear war, could be World War III. I mean, that has end times implications if you're thinking as a Christian, or at least potentially. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? We hear about wars and rumors of wars and the birth pangs of the end times. What do you see going on? Uh, no, that's a great question. Um, certainly, I mean, Jesus talks about, right, wars and rumors of wars that will lead up to the final war, the Battle of Armageddon, which Jesus will will return and, and, and uh, be, be the decider of. 
uh, you've got in Ezekiel 38, 39, which a lot of people are talking about, you know, um, it, it, you're going to have an invasion on the northern borders of Israel by an alliance of nations. Some certainly uh, would see uh, Rosh as Russia and Persia as Iran. You've got Turkey involved there and all kinds of nations. So w- what is going on? Look, I just returned from a prophecy conference. I was a, one of the speakers, uh, Jack Hibbs. Uh, Amir Safari, a friend of mine, Mark Hitchcock, and another brother, Jeff Kinley, and, and they addressed those issues. In fact, my friend Mark Hitchcock, who's written a book, Russia Rising, addressed the whole Ezekiel 38-39. Here's what we said, and here's what came out of our conference. Whatever's going on, it's hard to deny what you might call a prophetic shift of gears. As you look out on our world, from disasters to, to famines to wars to the days of Lot and Noah, to the rise of Russia, to Persia and Iran and the oil crisis, um, to Europe. Uh, you know, here's a war in Europe for the first time in, in decades. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that certainly um, is a silhouette or an outline of things that are talked about in the last and the end times. So here's my take on this quickly. I believe in the rapture. It's my conviction. I know not all Christians share that, but I believe the church is not destined to go through the tribulation. We're appointed to salvation, not to wrath. And that's and that rapture is without signs. Jesus could come back at any moment for his people, first Thessalonians four, John fourteen. But but the rapture will be followed by the great tribulation, wars, rumors of wars, famines, the birth times. Uh, you'll have the invasion of Israel, I believe, in the first half of the tribulation in Ezekiel 38-39. You'll have the Antichrist emerging in a confederation of European powers. Um, you'll, you'll have, again, the focus of world politics on the Middle East and Israel and Jerusalem and a rebuilt temple. So here's the issue. If the rapture with, is without signs, that's my conviction, at any moment return, it won't happen in a vacuum. Because as soon as the rapture takes place shortly after that, or immediately after that, these events that we have just outlined will unfold. So here's my point. I'm not connecting dots. But neither do I want to ignore the fact that I believe the stage is set. The, the, the major nations that are the prophetic players are all in the front, all in the front headlines of newspapers and political talk. That makes the coming of Jesus for his church all the nearer and makes the call to be pure as he is pure, to evangelize the world, to um, lay up treasure in heaven, to live in a way that we can stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give him account for our lives. Um, I quoted uh, Warren Wearsby at Noah, God didn't give us prophecy to build a calendar. Well, God gave us prophecy so that he can build a character that's my take. Whatever is going on in Europe and Ukraine and Russia and now this nuclear negotiation with Iran, which is Persia of old, it's just a reminder to me that the world is looking very like um, what biblical prophecy describes. And I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Christ. And I have got to make my prophecy practical and live for eternity and live for the judgment seat of Christ and remind my neighbors to flee from the wrath to come.
That is exactly what we should be doing. And we pray for the people of Ukraine. Obviously, we want them and their nation safe. It is just horrific what is going on. But at the same time, watch what is going on. Watch all the big pieces. Watch all the nations that are involved. Get into your scripture. This should just give you more to want to get into the word of God so that you can better understand what is going on. And then when you start saying, hey, I'm seeing some signs as God promised there would be, that is when we should start taking it as a bigger responsibility to share the love of Christ with all of those in our lives. And Pastor Philip, as we close, I know you would agree with that. Absolutely. And it it puts things into perspective, right? It does. You know, let's fight for our political freedoms. Um, You know, let's be concerned for all that's going on around about us. And I always say, if not now, when, Pastor Philip? Yeah, but, and again, uh, the future of our nation, but we've also got to put that into perspective. Second Peter 3, it's all going to be burned up. And at some point, there will be no America, no Britain, and no Europe. There'll be one kingdom, God's kingdom. Therefore, Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God. That's our greatest priority. Our greatest politics is the politics of the kingdom. Our greatest allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Amen, my friend. Well, Pastor Philip DeCourcy, thanks for coming on the show and not just being able to talk about what's going on in America, but I think talking about what's going on in the world and from a biblical perspective about what is exactly going on, because this is where it all begins and it all ends. And for being a Christian, there should be no better time than to pay attention to what is going on. Again, I want people to head to ktt.org slash kpraise there. You can get your free gifts from Know the Truth, Help, I'm Anxious, a great booklet, and also the Down in the Dump study card. Don't forget to listen to Know the Truth Monday through Friday on KPraise from 6.30 to 7 in the morning, Monday through Friday, with Senior Pastor Philip DeCourcy of Kindred Community Church. Any closing words, my friend? Hey, just, you know, um, look up for our redemption draws near. Um, you know, I think it was Corey Ten Boom again, I quoted her earlier, who said when you when you look in, you get depressed. When you look out, you get distressed. And when you look up, you get blessed. So let's, you know, Jesus said, look up. When you see these things coming to pass, look up. Your redemption draws near. And uh, let's, let's keep an eye to the sky. Um, let's make sure we bring an eternal perspective to everything temporal. And just want to thank you, Noah, uh, for, you know, giving a voice to the word of God and the truth and, um, every blessing to you and a little birdie told me you have a big day coming up here in the near future so congratulations to you and your bride thank you very much yes uh, I'll say it on air I'm now officially engaged I don't think I've said this on my own show yet so I am officially engaged and she makes me very very happy she said hey don't do it on Valentine's Day don't do it in public so I wanted to <laughs> surprise her Pastor Philip I did both of those things you did both you rascal. <laughs> but yes, it's a very a, exciting time. Here's a piece of advice for you and any married couple. Adrian Rogers said every good marriage begins with two funerals. Do you get it? Every I did. <laughs> I did. Have <laughs> you died a cell? I was actually going to ask you for a joke headed into the end of the interview, and uh, that was well, well put, my friend. Yeah, every marriage begins with two funerals. Die to self, and your marriage will always be alive to God.
And that is what it is supposed to be. Pastor Philip DeCorsi, I can't wait to talk to you again. This has been a tremendous opportunity that continues to give each and every year. So Godspeed to you and all the best. Thanks, Noah. God bless. Noah here and across the county. Go to ktt.org slash kpraise. Pick up your free gifts. And don't forget to listen to Know the Truth on kpraise Monday through Friday, 630 to 7 a.m. And it's been a pleasure having Pastor Philip DeCorsi right here on the show.